they were, you know, like good students and stuff like that. But when they were in first grade, each one of them, and they're almost six years apart in age, at the dinner table, they would be like upside down on their chair with feet in the air, heads on the floor, yes. turned yes. around backwards like you couldn't get through a meal yes. Yes. sitting in a chair. It was just yes. not a thing they were able to do. <laughs> no. So imagine 25 yes. of them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's so fun to know yeah. that. I didn't even know that we had that in common. That's, that's awesome. I love that. Well, now that we're, you know, Deep in, let me introduce you. I am okay. speaking today with Kianda McQuarters, and I invited Kianda on this podcast because she is a, I think of you as like a yoga preacher, a, a minister of the body. How, should, how else could I say it? Like a, a spiritual body instructor. And um, I've been kind of obsessed with the body this year, especially a lot of my blog posts have been about learning about ourselves and the world through getting more in touch with our body. And so I have a lot of things that I'm excited to talk to you about. We don't know each other super well. I know you because through my sister. Mm -hmm. And um, I know you as a yoga teacher because I've been to some of your classes. I've never seen you in street clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and you mainly know me through like, like my blog posts, other than chit chat a little bit after class. Right, yeah. But this is so fun because you have this energy that is so infectious in class and as someone, we don't have to go down this road if you don't want to, but as somebody who can't really go to church anymore, when I come out of your classes, I feel like I've been to church, but in only the best ways and none of the troublesome ways. Yes, and when you leave my class and you feel that, then my mission is accomplished. Yeah, so that- Because that, that is always my goal. That is always my goal, that when you come to my class, that it feeds your body, your mind, and your spirit, that you get all of that. Um, and that's always my goal, that you get to eat the good parts and spit out the seeds, as my grandmother would say, <laughs> you know, because me too, uh, you know, you will get into this maybe, but as a former pastor, I mean, I've been a children's church pastor, a youth pastor, and a senior pastor. Oh, I didn't know that yes. about you either. Yes, oh, yes. Okay. So I went to seminary. I got oh. an MD. Yeah, all the things. And so as that journey, being someone on that journey, um, I know the good and the bad of the church. That's just, and my goal is is to always share the good part of it. Um, because I do know that we are holistic beings, right? That we are body, mind, soul, and spirit. And I know that it's important to feed all of that. And yoga has been my way. It has been, it has been church for me. And so I think that's why it comes out when I, whenever I teach, because it is the essence of who I am. And my husband always says this. He says, I don't care what you're doing. You're always a pastor. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And it's true, like as a wife, as a mother, it always comes out. Even in my children, my children, you know, sometimes we're talking, they'll say, they'll look at each other. They're like, especially my two oldest, they have a body language that's just, you know, it's, they can say a thousand words without saying one. Yeah. 
and they'll look at each other. And I've come, I've come to know what the look means. Like, here comes the sermon. Like here. <laughs> and I'll say, listen, I'm not going to preach today, but. <laughs> and then I'll give them whatever message that I want them to take away. Right. So with that being said, um, because that is who I am, it, it is it is a part of I believe in, in spiritual gifts. I believe in gifts that we I believe we all have them. I don't care, you know, what your spiritual beliefs are, where you are on the table. You still have the gifts. Right. And I just believe that they show up. And no matter what we do, even when I was when I was a teacher, it would show up. And and my parents sometimes would say, I don't know. It's just something about, you, you know, you just you just hear that and you're like, it's OK. Yeah. So it just always shows up. So I'm glad that that's your takeaway, because that's really what I come to give. Yeah, totally. So what was the order of events? Were you a pastor first and then a teacher or the other way around? Well, and some of it was simultaneously. So I was in ministry first and I was in seminary in Oklahoma. Um, and then my husband and I, we were just dating, but we were long distance dating. I was in Oklahoma. He was in Michigan. Um, but then when we got engaged, I um, moved to Chicago to plan a wedding and I finished up my MDiv at Ashland in Ohio. So he was in Michigan and I would make that commute well. Um, once I got done with my MDiv, I worked at the church part time initially, and um, I was teaching school. There was at one point where I was a newlywed, I was teaching school, and I was finishing up my degree all at the same time. Not only that, but Chicago, Michigan, and Ohio just occurred yeah, yeah, at the same yeah. place. Yes, they all just <laughs> blended right in there, didn't they? Because that's how it went. Okay, but those so are the things you do in your 20s, right? Yes. I know some of the things that I look back that I did makes my head spin. And because yeah. my, yeah, my, I, I didn't do that, but I was teaching full time and in graduate school and with a, my first baby, like toddler see? at home. Yeah. So yeah. see, you would look back on that now and you would wonder like, what, what was, I, was I thinking? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I spend yeah. like two hours with small children now and I'm like, I don't know how I did that for yeah. As a parent or a teacher, I don't know where that energy came from. Yeah. yeah but another I cool know. thing is that, so you were saying what you do now is like all the good things about church without the, the seeds, you said. Yeah. Um, and I feel that way about my life. I'm in my studio and I love this place and I also like to share it with people. So hopefully someday you'll be able to come and make art with me if that's something yes. you're interested in. Um, maybe with your kids or not, or without your kids. That's yeah. sometimes that's often better. Yeah, I feel like a lot of I'm sidetracking here, but I feel like a lot of adults, especially moms, only feel justified in making art if it's either with their kids, for their kids, or about their kids. Oh no, not and this I mom. try to get yeah, I try to yeah. get moms like you have your own self too because that's a whole part of motherhood. We could go into that whole conversation yes. where you lose yourself. But what I was saying about this studio, I love having people here and sharing it. I can't do that now during COVID, but I'm still kind of a teacher. Only it's mm -hmm. only the best kind of teaching. Like I only teach art only when I want to. Only the people that I kind of self-select or that self-select me, which is usually kind of the same thing. And when I want to, as much as I want, it's like the thing, because I liked teaching. I Sometimes I feel like I'm 
kind of harsh on my previous life as a teacher because in a lot of ways it was not aligned with my personality. I'm very introverted and I need tons of time to myself. <clears throat> and yet for 20 some years, I was teaching kids all day and then going home and parenting all night. And I was so desperate for alone time that when I had it, when I had like an hour, my mind would just spin out with the possibilities of all the things I wanted to do. And then it was gone because I could Then it's over. You know, it was... The hour has passed. Exactly. Yeah. And it wasn't a healthy yeah. way to live. So in a lot of ways, I was not respecting myself through my choice of career. And yet I learned so much about Isn't that so powerful, though? I think that that's the power of the journey. Yeah. Um, and that we do. That how those paths, though, prepare us for where we're going, like I very much acknowledge that where I am today is enriched because of yes where I was, even though I look back and I'm like, I would never do that again. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. It's some parts right. of that I'm like, mm. because one of the things is that I'm very anti-institution. So it's hard to thrive mm -hmm. um, in that quote unquote organization or church setting. I agree with what you said. I don't know that that was the best choice to honor, you know, who I've come to know myself as. However, I do recognize that that journey prepared me for where I am and that mm -hmm. I'm definitely better on this side because of what I experienced on that side. <laughs> right. And I was just listening to some people talking about the cruelty of those graduation speeches of like, find your passion and go do it. Because, you know, what 20, there are a few 20 something year olds who know what they are here for. I've known a handful of them, but most people don't. And you, you kind of have to just experience things and yeah, we have to do all that cycling around. So then how, on the topic of that, how did you get into yoga? Yoga found me. You know, I know, mm -hmm. I know every time you talk to a yogi, right, we say that. But it is really, really true. So by now, my husband and I are living in Chicago. We are pastoring. I have so Is two, your husband a pastor also? No. Okay. No. And you have this idea. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get into it and you're like, wait, what are we doing? What's happening? <laughs> this is not the way this is supposed to be. So I had just had our second baby. I must have been like 35. We were living in Chicago. Um, my husband was, you know, working and in school and I was taking care of my mother. Uh, my mother had multiple sclerosis. She was living with us. And I was literally overwhelmed. So I'm, I'm in ministry. I got two kids, two little kids. I think they are like three and a few months. <laughs> yeah, so I'm in the thick of it, right? And I got my mom and all the things. And I just needed something. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do? I initially was looking for like, one, a way to get out the house, I think. <laughs> Yeah. And also a way to move my body. I had done a little yoga here and there when I was an undergrad at Michigan State. And I was actually, I got a Groupon. A Groupon mm -hmm. popped up on my phone. <laughs> yeah, and I got a Groupon to like try um, hot yoga of all the things. Hot yoga, like that 26 and 2, 105 degrees. This tells you how desperate I was <laughs> looking for something because... Who just does that having never done yeah, that, right? 
And I was like, $39 sounds good to me. I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) And I went and thought I was going to die, but I didn't. And I kept going back. And that was, let's see, AJ is 15. So that was about, yeah, 14 years ago, definitely, maybe 14 and a half years ago. And I kept going. And what I found was that practice got me through. It got me through watching my mother's health decline. It got me through the hurt that I got from being in church, from being in ministry. It got me through the rejection I felt trying to prove myself as a black woman in ministry. It got me through the heartbreak of having this vision, this desire, this 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 thirst and watching it be just sucked away. And so it was that practice, the discipline of that, um, that really got me through. And it was so funny because so many people, I don't, I don't know, I, I'm learning that it's very prevalent in the black culture and the black church, but that yoga isn't a cult and that you cannot do yoga and you should not do yoga. And I was like, listen, I don't care what you all say do whatever you want. This is working for me. As a matter of fact, this is bringing me closer to God because the church where I, sh- where I'm supposed to find God, if it was up to that, yeah, no, we would, I'd be like, you know what? That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was in that practice that I also developed my spiritual growth. I developed spiritual disciplines. I developed um, a real knowing of who God is outside of religious settings, really. And it just spoke to me. And so I maintained a practice and I did my best to keep it through all of life's ups and downs. So when we moved here, I um, found that was one of the first things that I did. I found Forge and never moved. Yeah. And so that's really how I got into the practice and that's really it found me as really some of my lowest points and um it really helped get me through so yeah. i want to go a little more into what it is because i think i some of the things like what is it there's the discipline the showing up and the getting out of the house and like doing something that's quieter you know because you've got a like you're taking care of a thousand people and then you need that time for yourself. But I'm also interested in, I don't know if you know the work of Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams. She, I just did a sit with her. I you? love her. She yeah. Is, she, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Debbie and I yeah. went and saw She's her. She's a rock star for me. She, yeah. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. Debbie and I yeah. went and saw her last year when she was in Portland, and I've read some of her stuff and listened to some of her talks, and she was someone who, she helped me sort of uncover, because as a white person, I've always been puzzled, like, how can I be from this group of people that has gone around the world, you know, having the audacity and arrogance to think that we can go dominate people they should be subject to us. We're going to take their land. Like, I'm, I'm a part of that because I am European-American, and that's what Europeans have done around the world, and not only Europeans, but... And that has always been a source of shame and puzzlement, something that I've tried to figure out, like, how, how can anybody do that, let alone, like, why is it so common for this group of people that I belong to? Mm. She was someone who talked about 
that the only way, because humans are wired to take care of each other, the only way that you can inflict harm on somebody, another human, which is not natural, is by dehumanizing them. Dehumanizing them. them. <laughs> and so there's dehumanizing that you're doing to the other person, but there's also there also needs to be shutting down of your own feelings, which yes. is kind of dehumanizing yourself, I guess, now yes. that I think about it. I don't think she said that, but that's what it would seem to be for me. And by separating yourself from your emotional life, that is what enables a person to inflict that kind of harm. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about that. <laughs> I started writing more about the body. Like if you had read my blog a few years ago, it was more about art and blah, 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 and failure. You know, I write about a lot of things, but people who have been reading my work for a long time have probably noticed, oh, she's really into the body this year. And it was because of all the events of this year. And be even before George Floyd, I, I was trying, I think it was about a year ago that I listened to this thing of Reverend Angel and just trying to trying to make sense of that. And like, what can I do to break free of of that? and and sort of heal and so i feel like for everybody but i'm trying to sort of you know turn around to my white people to try to express what i'm figuring out we just have to be in touch with our body <laughs> and i think when you look around at white culture there's not a lot of that going on i don't know i'm i'm not making sense right now but no you really are making sense and it is true um i think <clears throat> I think there's something to be said both when you talk about white culture and being in touch with the body, the fullness, the wholeness of who we are, but also Western culture, American mm -hmm, culture. Mm -hmm. So, for example, there are some people who are drawn to my class because they're like, I don't know, it's not just a physical practice I'm going to get. It's something about. But then there are others who will never be drawn to it because they just want to work out. Mm -hmm. I just want to mm -hmm. exercise, Kianda. I don't want to, I don't want to feel, I don't want, the only thing yeah. I want to feel are my quadriceps working. <laughs> like, that's, like that's, that's all I want to feel. Tell me to hold in my core, and that's the only place I want to take it. And that is just, that's Western. That's, that's yes. American society, right, yes. in, in and of itself. Is we, we, don't, we don't really want to feel, if, because if we did, if you look at where we are in a country, we wouldn't be here. Right. We would not, you cannot dehumanize yourself and another human being and still be in touch with the wholeness of who you are. There is no way. That's impossible. They and, contradict each other. And the kind of exercising that you're describing of that that's a form of numbing. That's yes. using exercise yes, as numbing to not yes, feel. Yes it is. Not yeah. feeling. You're not and it's like, "Oh, I can do this. I can get up at 6 a.m. I can work, mm -hmm. but don't don't make me pause." Don't make mm -hmm. me stop. Mm -hmm. Don't make me think. Don't make me be in touch. Don't tell me to connect with breath. Tell me to squeeze my glutes mm -hmm. and hold my core. <laughs> and yeah. so I think that you're absolutely right in that um, we don't always want to go there. And it's when we don't take the time and the opportunity to go there. That's what's keeping us from healing. That's what's yeah. keeping us from really being our brother's keeper. The truth is, Pam, that's why we're in this pandemic for so long. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because if we really took the yeah. time to really feel <laughs> and engage in empathy, come on. Yeah. I would there would not have to be PSAs about stay home and wear a mask, right? <laughs> it would be 
be common knowledge and it would be something that I would do, not for myself, regardless mm-hmm. of where I was, but for my neighbor. Mm-hmm. But, but let's go to it, right? Scripture tells us what? Love your neighbor as yourself. We have not been taught Mm -hmm. to love ourselves, to feel ourselves, Mm -hmm. to be in the wholeness of who we are. And Mm -hmm. so if you can't do that, I cannot give what I do not have. And that's what I have really gotten out of yoga. I started this summer. It sort of came to me the way yoga came to you. I started getting a little into Ayurveda. Mm. I was feeling squishy and lethargic all the time. Yeah, it just didn't feel good. And so I... I thought, you know, I've read, I've heard a little bit about this. I started reading more. Getting up early was one of the main things. And I've been, a, since I stopped teaching, teaching, you know, you have to be an early person. But yes. I always saw that as going against my true nature. So since I stopped, I've kind of allowed myself to just be a sleeper in her and just claim it. And, you know, but I started getting up early, like before the sun, just as an experiment. Although I've done it every day since that day. I think it was July 17th. And as part of the morning, early morning routine was doing sun salutations. As the sun is coming up, which is so beautiful. And the whole message of Ayurveda is to, that we are part of nature and to sort of tune into the rhythms of nature, which means the seasons and eating seasonally and the day and night and, you know, welcoming, witnessing the day and sort of respecting the night hours and not, you know, I was a huge night owl. And so I, I say this not to judge anyone who's a late night person, because I, I used to get really irritated by the early morning people. Because <laughs> all I associated with getting up early was striving. Yeah. Now I have a yeah. completely opposite association with early morning. Like I get up early so that I can be alone yes. with nature. I can stretch my body, which feels so good yes. in the morning. I've never considered myself a morning exerciser. It's till July 17th. I would have told you I'm not an early morning, you know, I can't do anything wow. before noon. And so I've been doing yoga on my own. Um, and, you know, it's my own version, whatever. But I feel like I have sort of, this sounds weird, but I feel like I've sort of fallen in love with my body. I am so appreciative of this vessel. Yes, it does I, not sound weird. That's what's supposed to happen. No, go ahead. Yes, yes. I yes. love it. And in my first round of sun salutations, I do three rounds. The first one, I'm like, ooh, this is tight. You know, my hips are tight. But I know that by the third one, yes. I'll be feeling loose. And then I just a simple, simple, I just try to try to check in, like, where on my body feels like it needs a little extra stretching or opening today. And I'll choose a few poses. So when I'm done with this by like eight in the morning, I feel like I have accomplished so much that the rest of the day is just gravy. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And ironically, I feel like I have become more productive, not because I get up and attack my to-do list, but because I get up and tend to my body and myself and connect with nature and do some meditation and not that I'm like a productivity machine, but it like, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> that is so true. That for me 
is a source of life. One thing that I've had in my favor is I've pretty much always been an early morning person, mm. um, especially as being in ministry. So I would use the early morning hours to study, to do my devotion, to to really connect um, with God and, the, and that source of power and energy and self and breath. However, when I started working, like when I started, like when I was pastoring and teaching, you know, all those things, I lost the sacredness of getting up early. And it did become more of a striving and more mm-hmm. of a struggle. And I also noticed that it kind of got hijacked in the sense of um, when I did not get up early, I would feel just like this overwhelming sense of guilt. It was almost like my early morning time had been hijacked by ego. And I, you know, I don't want to give the church a bad rap, but I mean, that was, that was just one of the things it was like, it was such always this performing. And I was like, when do we stop performing? When, and, and who are we performing for again? Can we talk about this? And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, Kianda, just do, you know, and I was, I could never get comfortable with that. And so yoga for me brought me back to the discipline of getting up and simply being. And it was so important to me, too, as a mom, because now by this time I have two kids, I can get up an hour or so before them. So this way I don't have to get up in mommy mode, like like I'm mm-hmm. like I'm striving mm-hmm. and struggling. So so what I would do with that Groupon, I started, I would do the 515 class. So I got to be on my mat because class mm-hmm. starts at mm-hmm. 515. That means wow. I'm out the door at like 430. But that space, that discipline created um, it, it gave me back my habit of getting up early and letting it be what I originally wanted it to be. And so now I have continued that. And that speaks to me. And my kids will even say, like, if I haven't, if something happened and I didn't get it, they'll be like, did you get up this morning? Like, did you have your quiet time? Like, <laughs> because I'm so much better. I'm just better when I when I've made time for that. And I do believe it is because we are created to be in that connection. We are created to be connected to that divine breath, divine. I I mean people will call God whatever they want to call God. But the fact is we are created for that connection. And so for me, it has brought me back to that. So, so like even this morning, I taught the 6 a.m. We're doing virtual, of course, now because mm-hmm. everything is online. So I had to be at the Alberta studio at um, 530 because my class started at 6. And so Angela was like, well, you could teach from home. I was like, no, nope, I'm up because I'm up every day at like 430. So I was like, no, I'm up. And like you, I um, usually start my I always start my day in child's pose. That is my posture of surrender. And that is where I engage in my devotions. That is where I connect. I, it's amazing how when this hit the mat, it just, that's just my connection. She's and touching her forehead I, for, yeah. for our listeners. Yeah, forehead to the mat. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It just, it's automatic. And, and, you know, people will say whatever. Oh, that's, I'm like, listen, it works. 
don't knock it till you try it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And so that really is how I start. And then from there, I'll move my body and get moving and I'll have quiet time. And it may look different. Some days it's a study. Some days it's just quiet. Some days it's meditation. Some, but it's still that sacred space, that sacred time. And that's another... And, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't no, go ahead. Another thing that I love about and you kind of just were touching on it is that it gives you a chance to customize it. You know, we are not all the same and every day is not the same. So I find, like for you, starting with child's pose works for you. For me, I start with sun salutation. Actually, I start, I don't do yoga first thing when I get up, I do some writing or reading or something. But when it's getting, starting to get light, I start it and some days I notice that I have all this energy and I want to, I'm just kind of really into the physicalness of it. Other days I just want to kind of sit in child's pose for a while and just chill there. And I think just that, we also live in a culture that tells us, you know, you must exercise one hour every day or, you know, whatever it is as though every day is the same. And especially for women, because we are cyclical, every day is really not the same no it is not and the energy is you know it ebbs and flows and i think it's a way for me to you know i i do feel some resistance like this morning i didn't it was not a super energetic day and there's a little bit of you know the the self-talk it's like oh man you you're so distracted how come you're not you know where's your energy or you know like we were trying to live up to that bar and then it's a chance for me to remember you know what another day I'll have that energy today it's kind of quiet slow energy and that is also fine (laughs) and that's how you honor Mm -hmm. where you are right Mm -hmm. and that is how for me it's so funny so I got a peloton bike so what I found is the excitement So, of course, I'm excited because I love all things biking, right? I love all things yoga, all things biking. Those are my worlds, you know. (laughs) And so now I get up. I do my child's pose, have my devotions, you know, whatever. I may sometimes I'll do sun salutation A or B or a little bit of both. And then I'll have coffee or whatever. And then now lately I've been hopping on this bike, you know. Then so I did that for like, I don't know, four or five days. And then the other day I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to even see that bike. I don't even <laughs> want to get on that bike. And that's absolutely okay. That's not mm-hmm. where I am today. Even mm-hmm. this morning, I was like, yeah, no, that's not where I am today. And so I think you're right. But I think that is the thing that we're not always encouraged or invited to do. And that is simply to tune in and go with whatever flow and cycle you're in. Like, who can be on 10 every day? And if you can, you're numbing. There's something that you're not addressing. Mm -hmm. There's something that you're avoiding. There's some... I just don't think we're created that way. Scripture even says to everything, there is a mm-hmm, season. Mm-hmm. I mean, we work in seasons, people. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if you're always, if your season is always pound, 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 do, do, do. When do you rest? When do you recover? When do you restore? Mm-hmm. When do you reconnect? But we have not been taught that. You know, I did a study some time ago and it was a study of Old Testament because I once thought that I wanted to get a Ph.D., in Hebrew and Old Testament studies. <laughs> Don't ask me, Pam. Don't go there. But anyway, there, I did a study on um, farming 
in Old Testament times and based off Old Testament scriptures and based on the instructions of, you know, you toil the land, but then you give the land time to rest. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is so true. I think we Westerners, especially Americans, we're great at the toiling. Mm-hmm. We are not great at the resting. Mm-hmm. We are not. We just don't do it. And we don't always recognize that healing comes in the rest. Right. And that when you don't allow for that, then you cannot have the productivity, not continuously. Mm-hmm. There will be a breakdown. And I think we're seeing yeah. that right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And a different way that I just heard what you said recently was in terms of inhaling and exhaling, inhaling being the rest, exhaling being the service or the, you know, working out, you can't be exhaling (laughs) continuously, like you will pass out. That's all I'm doing. (laughs) There can't be exhaling. When do you inhale? When do you take anything? Yeah. Yeah. It's unsustainable. And it's funny, I used, the first time I tried yoga, probably 15 years ago or something, it didn't do anything for me. I had, I had young kids at the time. It was an excuse to leave the house or exercising was, but I need, I felt like I needed to sweat. Like I needed to work things through my body and it was too slow and I'm pretty flexible already. And I can, I'm not a type A anxious person. And so I just felt like I don't need this. You know, this is for those people who are really uptight and inflexible and I'm not that. So I tried it, you know, I get it. That's good for some people, not my thing. And then, and then I tried it again a few years later and it was kind of, you know, felt good. Um, But then it was when I moved here that I really started getting more interested in yoga, but yeah. And I asked, what was your age? What, how, around, when what I, was your age? I'm 55 when it, when now. When it started to, to really appreciate it and get into yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I'm 55 now, so I was, I think I was just turning 52. Yeah. And so I asked that because mm-hmm. I have found that for the most part, there's a certain level of natural and emotional maturity that comes to help you really embrace yoga for what it really is for Mm -hmm. most people, either Mm -hmm. that or there are a few young people who maybe have experienced some things Mm -hmm. or maybe have a different type of connection. And then they're able to appreciate yoga for so much more than just the asanas, so much more than just, Mm -hmm. you know, the physical exercise of it. But for the most part, most of your 20, 30 year olds, I'm going to say yoga is what they see on Instagram. It's the headstands mm-hmm. and, you know, all the complicated postures. It's, it's, it's so asana driven. It's driven mm-hmm. mainly by the physical practice. But I think if you stay with the practice or if you come to the practice at an older age, you appreciate more of the holistic parts of the practice. Yoga becomes this real spiritual discipline which is what it really is it really Mm -hmm. is it's a spiritual Mm -hmm. discipline yeah Yeah. that makes sense and i think young or old it's it's probably even more difficult in american culture like we have said when yeah when it looks like just a new form of exercise and that that has spiritual benefits as a bonus but you also look good in the yoga pants and you know like It's a new reason to go buy a bunch of clothes. Don't forget that. (laughs) You know, because we can't just take something for the spiritual value because there's no money in it, right? We have to monetize this. We have to create an industry around it. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. Yes, 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 it's true. So one thing that I'm curious about, and I've heard some people talk about this, is the hips and hip Mm. openers and how I, I have heard, but I feel like I'm dangerously only slightly informed. And so I want more information about this. I understand that the hips are where we hold memories and emotions. Am I right about that? You're absolutely right. And so the hip openers and even like I have, I've just spent thousands of hours stretching in my life because it feels good. But the hips, talk to me about how this phenomenon, because I know that it's a thing and it's happened with me before where women especially will shed tears or like the hips and yoga and opening and emotions and holding memories. Does that give you enough to talk about? Yeah, no, okay. you, and you absolutely, you actually know more than you think you know, because that's absolutely true. So, you know, um, of course in our culture, and we tend to not really pay attention to Eastern and ancient culture right? Eastern medicine. If we like our way of doing things. We're very mm-hmm. head driven. We're mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. knowledge driven. Like it's like, okay, if that cannot be explained in a textbook, if I can't wrap my yeah. mind around it, then it cannot be real. However, Eastern culture, ancient civilization is not that way. And so it is believed that it's in our hips where we store, the body stores memory, the body stores emotions, any blockage, any that is all stored in the hips. Now, I am not an expert in this, but it's so intriguing to me that I've done a lot of reading on it. And it's something that I definitely would love to really engage in. But in in a lot of ancient culture, um, you have, especially like, oh, if you get into um, both Indian culture, but I think it's also present in like um, acupuncture. So Chinese culture, you have these meridians, you have these lifelines, mm-hmm. and it's the source of, it's where physical and spiritual connect. So you know how oftentimes we take physical symptoms and we only try to treat them physically. Yeah. When the truth is, if you're sick and there's physical symptoms, Usually that disease, that dis-ease has a spiritual, emotional component. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. just true. But I don't know that in Western culture that we're great at at looking at the wholeness of who we really are. So like if you've been... um, ignoring an emotion, if you haven't sat in that quiet time, if there's a trauma that you haven't either intentionally or unintentionally addressed, that is all stored right in the hips, which is why when you get into hip openers, I think that's one of the reasons why I love to start my day in child's pose. Mm-hmm. I am, I literally am an open book and there are some days when I am just on my mat and I am bawling because mm-hmm. it, it really can release a floodgate. So, so when you get into things like hip openers, if you will allow your body to settle and let go. So oftentimes you'll hear yoga instructors say, connect with breath. For some people, it's just, let me start to inhale and exhale, right? For me, when I say connect with breath, breath for me is the connection to the divine. And so that is the thing that connects us. It's the thing that connects us to God, divine source, energy, light, but it's also the thing that connects us human to human. So when you get into the breath, 
connecting and you're in that hip opener, you really do connect with source. You connect with energy. You connect with life. You connect with that divine creator. And then you begin to, if there's blockage there, if there's trauma there, if there's stored emotions there, it really will open up. I don't know that I could give a like one plus one is two, like mm-hmm. how it had, you know what it's like to me though? Um, I remember as a pastor, <laughs> one of the questions that I got all the time, how does prayer work? Listen, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, really do. I don't know, but what I do know is that it works. Like I can't give you a formula of how prayer works. But what I can tell you that when you pause to pray, when you acknowledge and connect with divine, with the source outside of you, that it works. I don't, I mean, there have been times, right, where I'll go to pray about something and I get up. Now, the situation is literally the same. <laughs> it has not changed. But something in me is mm-hmm. restored, is renewed, is refreshed, right? And so people will always ask me, because I, I used to do a lot of teachings on prayer and the importance of prayer. And, why we, and, and I, that was the one question I got all the time. How does prayer work? That I don't so know funny. how that's such, I can just tell you that it works. That's such an American question because, and that's, I, and that's, I, that's kind of, I, I hold some grudges against the church. I'll just say it. Um, <laughs> But one is, and I, you know, I am participant in this. So I, anytime that I'm blaming something, I'm trying to use that as an opportunity to look at what, what is my role? You know, I'm trying to deflect something, but it's me. Um, But I think the church is really good at pointing us outward for all the answers. Like that question is so perfect. Yes. You know, God has the answer or the pastor has the answer or the answer yes. in this book or that, you know, and, and I feel like my whole... Or these five steps. If you do these five steps, you, I'm yeah, like, you can do all five of those steps and it still might not. Right. Okay, and we're going to go follow, ahead. we're going to follow these rules and, you know, and I feel like it trains us to not listen to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so that's how yoga for me is almost the opposite and not only yoga yes. i find that through dance and through art yes. and any kind of i'll put all those under the umbrella of art because i think art is a yes self self expression is the word but i can never relate to the term self expression i feel like it's self discovery or self exploration that for any time we're forced to look inward that's that's where the connection is and that's where the wisdom is like it's already there yes. and so it's that's there. my that's my beef with church and you know i'm probably offending a, people listening but whatever you could tell me about it in emails um <laughs> <laughs> or we'll have a good conversation right because but yeah, i think you're answers, right i think you bring up a good point in that we are taught to look outside of ourselves like and we do this is the thing too it's like, I want people to really understand, go to church. If church does something for you, great, go. But what I need you to really understand, that person that's behind that pulpit that's giving that message is a person. Mm-hmm. And that person does good, bad, you know, all mm-hmm. the things. That person has very limited wisdom and knowledge and that that person, you have just as much access 
to divine, to, to mm-hmm. guidance, to wisdom, mm-hmm. to, you know, because I'm telling you, even now as a yoga teacher, right, I get this. Someone, I, matter of fact, I'm going to see if I still have the email. I got an email just the other day. My pastor said yoga. I was like, I don't really care what you're <laughs> Your, your pastor don't know more about, nothing more about yoga than you do. But yet you're taking instructions from, you know what yeah. I mean? And so that is, now that is my beef with the church. It really is in that we, we, we form this hierarchy where we want people to depend on us as members, as, as leaders, right? We, we cripple people. We really do. And we, it's just us feeding our own ego and making people depend on us as opposed to teaching people to really find God, divine source energy within. Um, and so that's the, I'm just like, no, don't, you know, just don't go there. So, but going back to what you said, I think you're absolutely right in that there is that divine connection. And so when you get into things like hip openers, where, where we do store, think about it. Things that we experience, things that show up in our life. I, I told you I'm reading that book, The Body Keeps Score. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Oh my gosh, I keep going back. I'm never going to finish that. I'm never going to finish, but I don't know that I'm supposed to. I think I'm supposed to keep going back because every time Mm -hmm. I get a new revelation about Mm -hmm. something, about, you know, and so, but it is true, right? The body really does keep score. So you got to think about like, where, where are you holding that way? And and it's there. And so for most of us, I know it's true definitely in black culture, but I think it's also true in American culture, um, in Western culture. I keep, I keep using that as a reference, I think, because we tend to not explore realms and dimensions that we cannot define. Like if we cannot keep, give a concrete mm-hmm. definition, we're very comfortable with concrete knowledge, but we're not very comfortable with ancient wisdom. We're very comfortable with the physical side. Like you go to a doctor for cancer. He's comfortable with giving you chemo, radiation, whatever. But he's not going to be comfortable with exploring, you know, if there was trauma or abuse or, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't get that part. You don't. And so I think because of that, um, we don't always connect to the opportunities that's available to us when we do things like hip openers or sun salutations. Sun salutations really is a divine practice. It really is. And it's your opportunity to connect with source, to connect with nature. It really is. Mm-hmm. But we don't like to explore that side. We want to do 10 sun salutations because it's going to get our heart rate <laughs> up. And if we get our heart rate up, that's our car exercise and you know what I mean we we're so comfortable with all of those sides of it so yeah so I think because of that um we don't always I will never forget the first time I really paused connected with breath and was in a hip opener I was in a public class I was like Kianda you're gonna lose your you're gonna lose it right here (laughs) it's like yeah I'm gonna lose it right here because, yeah, it, 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 the 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 energy that it would take to try to hold it all mm-hmm. in, I thought would have literally made me sick. But 
Come on, if we are honest, we don't always create space for that type of vulnerability. I think Brene Brown says it best mm-hmm. in her work of being vulnerable. We don't create space that allows us to really express and experience that level of vulnerability. And I think what you just said is why our culture is so sick, because we're trying to keep it all inside. And it's I've had that in my own life. I had a little bout with cancer that came right on the heels, surprise, surprise, of a 16-year difficult marriage that was not healthy for me, and a equally long teaching career that was, that I, I wasn't nourishing myself. Like, I was, I was the plant, you know, next to the sidewalk, getting trampled on, and not enough sun, and, you know, that forgot to get watered, and then disease set in. You know, yes. it was so clear to me. And yet, what did the medical doctors all 100% ask me about? Are you wearing sunscreen? Were you, you know, and I'm like, fuck the sunscreen. I need to take care of, you know, I need to get a divorce, change careers. And I did all that. I'm, I'm serious. Like I, and to this yeah. day, when I see yeah. a dermatologist, they will ask me only about whether I'm wearing sunscreen. Exactly. And I'm like, no, I, honestly, I do when I'm going to be like on the river for four hours yeah. in the sun, then I put on sunscreen. I don't care about sunscreen. Like, yeah. <laughs> sunscreen yeah. is not my and, problem. And sunscreen may help with the symptoms, but that's exactly. not going to get to the root exactly. of the problem. It's not going to get yeah. yeah. And that's what we are not great at. That is where we... We don't thrive as a society because we don't. I say the same thing. Now, I will say this, and people, especially my mom's fam, they hate when I say this, but I often say, okay, if you look at my mother's death certificate, it would say she died from complications of multiple sclerosis. And that could be true. But I say my mother died from a broken heart. Mm-hmm. My mother died from trauma. My mother died from stress. My mother mm-hmm. died from, you know, I think about my mother a lot because um, she, she only had me, but it was just her and I. And I think about that. Like, I have a husband who's very much present, who's very much hands-on. I don't know what it would feel like to try to carry this household. Right. Mm-hmm, so every mm-hmm. day I have to think about, OK, and I have no one to bounce that off of, you know. And so but then mm-hmm. I look at us as a unit. He bounces things off me. I bounce mm-hmm. things off him. We are we carry each other. Right. When he's high and I'm mm-hmm. low, he can very easily pick me up and bring me with him. When I'm high and he's low, I have what it takes to pick him up mm-hmm. and bring. you know what I mean? And that's how we were made to function. Mm-hmm. Any other way is dysfunctional. And where there's dysfunction, you open the door for disease. That's mm-hmm. just the way it goes. And so I remember one time I took her to see a specialist um, because I wanted answers. And the doctor said, she said, I've never seen a case like this. This is it's so drastic and it's so dramatic and it's so unpredictable. But when I think about it, for 25, she was a mother at, first of all, a mother at 17, stressful in and of itself. For 25 years, she worked two jobs Mm -hmm. nonstop. She did not have a good anchor in community. Well, how can you when you're always Mm -hmm. giving out, Mm -hmm. right? When you you leave for work at 6 a.m. and you get home for work at 9.45 p.m., right? You go from job one straight to job two pretty much every day, definitely five days a week. And so when you think about that lifestyle, that's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And so I often say that. I was like, multiple sclerosis was just 
a symptom. It was not the root of the Mm -hmm. problem, Mm -hmm. right? The root of the problem was a disconnection, a disconnection from self, a disconnection from the divine, a disconnection from community, a disconnection from support, from foundation, from all of those things. And then that is why, So and so then you have this doctor trying to explain this phenomenon where you can't just explain it because you're not looking at the holistic part of it, right? You're looking at this one piece. And she said, I've never, and she was a specialist who specialized in multiple sclerosis. And she said, I've never seen a case like this. Wow. And I was like, wow, really? Well, yeah. because my mother, she does all things big. Come on now. <laughs> you know. So, but when I think about that, I think that's one of the reasons why I've been so adamant about that connection, about being in touch with my emotions, about releasing stress and trauma, about articulating what I feel and what I need. You know, oftentimes you'll have, I have a good friend. Every time she's stressed, every time she gets a cold sore. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, come on. You, right. you you already know. It's simply, that's the physical reaction or the physical response mm-hmm. to what's happening internally in your body. Right. Yeah. yeah. Every time I feel, you know, a little ache in whatever, I'm like, I. the first thing I do is take a little stress inventory of my life Mm -hmm. like what yeah you know what's out of alignment here what's going on yes Uh, yeah and I I just think that we're I think we're called to do that I think I don't think we should ever throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think that in our lives, there should be a place for Western medicine. There should be a place for Eastern medicine, that there should be a place for physical as well as spiritual, that they have to go together because if not, you cannot treat the whole person because I am not just physical. I'm so much more than that. I think if we start to do that, like people are talking a lot about, oh, I didn't realize how selfish we were. I'm like, where where have y'all been? Like, right? (laughs) Like we, like, this is not, it's not a wake up call. I mean, we, we've known this, right? But I think our inability to be empathetic, our inability to really connect, most people can't even empathize with themselves. If I can't empathize with myself, it's kind of like you said, um, you know, this day my energy was a little lower and so I didn't want to do this. But then when the tape starts to play like, Mm -hmm. oh, Pam, then you're not enough. You didn't do that. You know, you have to really be empathetic with yourself and be like, no. And you have to be able to silence the tape. And most people don't have the ability to do that. And so if you can't love yourself, be kind to yourself, be gracious to yourself, silence that traumatic tape that plays over and over Mm -hmm. in our minds how can you do that to your neighbors how can you do that with people that you encounter you can't and the other thing is the misogyny that we've been living for thousands Mm. thousands of years where you know things that can't be explained that are emotional or compassionate you know all of that has been so dis dismissed as yes you know we can't see it on our spreadsheet so it doesn't count for anything and we have to flip yeah, that or, around. Or, or let's just say it, right? It's like, that's, you know, you'll be called all the derogatory names. It's like, we give that emotional power. That's for women or mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's just all the things. And it's like, no, it's not true. Which is why, look around. It's like, come on, people. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so many, so many directions <laughs> I could go right? into. Yeah, we'll have to. Will you come back? I'll have to of have you back. I will. Yeah, I have a feeling that next year I'll do. I'll invite all the same people back, and we'll have conversations again. 
it's all just connection. We're all just connection, healthy living, being wholehearted, you know, having yeah, a purpose. Yeah, because the message life. really is the same. The methods mm -hmm. may differ, mm -hmm. but the message really is the same. Yeah, yeah, I used to say that all the time, especially like when I was pastor, I would always tell people, listen, the message doesn't change. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. The message that you are loved, mm -hmm. that you are enough, that you were created to be in community with God and with people, that does not change. Mm -hmm. Now, the methods, they can definitely differ. They mm -hmm. will differ. They should differ. But the truth is, if you ask me, people are always trying to find their purpose. That's mm -hmm. your purpose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> really, we all really have one purpose. Now, how we carry it out will be different. Yeah. Our crafts, our strengths, all of that, that will be different. But really, we are on this earth to connect with God, to connect with one another. And when I connect with you, that's really what I should bring. I should bring you a greater awareness of divine light, God, and a greater awareness of your connection with you and our connection together. That's really what, that's what everybody, that's what we're called to do. Well, that's, that's a perfect place to wrap up because that's a namaste, right? The light in me honors the light in you. And I always add, because they're all light from the sun, because we are all connected. It's yes. all the same light. It's just in yes. little pieces, right? In each. Yes, know. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Amen. Thank you so much, Kionda. This was really fun. And I feel like I could talk to you for three more hours because even just the last thing you said, it, it sparked like eight different conversations <laughs> and roads I wanted to go down. But then I would be editing for four days to, yes. <laughs> <laughs> to get it down to a size that people will listen to. But thank you for being here thank you for the joy that you just exude in class and in your life from what i know of you you know every time i see you it just it kind of puts a little bounce in my step and you just have this um presence that is so life-affirming and it's just like this hug whether or not you're hugging anyone because these days we can't hug people but it your presence is just like a warm embrace, and I really appreciate you for that. Well, that made it worth it right there. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm Thank you for having me. I have to say that. I, I was like, what? You want to talk to me for what? I'm like, okay, I guess, but I appreciate the invite. I really do. And I just, I, I know you don't know me, and I know you say that, but I do feel like I know you. I feel, I, I feel like I just know and love you simply because I know and love your sister. And, and again, that's just that connection. I feel like I, I feel like we're friends. So. Yeah, I, oh, I totally do too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my friend Kionda. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did, and even in the editing process, it was so fun to just keep listening to that conversation over and over. So um, this is Pam Concierge. This, you have been listening to the Accidental Muralist podcast, and um, I would love it if you subscribed on Apple Podcasts or, and also go to my website and subscribe to my newsletters because you will get things in your inbox that you will love. Thanks for listening. See you next time.